0: Welcome to The Stockout. The Stockout is your show at FreightWaves for all things related to uh, CPG companies. Those are consumer packaged goods companies and their supply chains. I'm Mike Bowden, Düsselman, analyst and market expert here at FreightWaves. And of the 20 uh, shows that we do, uh, what's different about this one is we really try to zero in on uh, things that uh, CPG companies would care about or those freight transportation companies and brokers that serve the CPG industry, and if that sounds like it's up your alley, I uh, would encourage you to sign up for uh, my newsletter, which uh, can be found at www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stock out. Uh, try to get uh, that out twice a week with uh, relevant content um, related to CPG companies and uh, their freight uh, partners. Um, and uh, with the CPG industry, I mean, I suspect that uh, the CPG companies are, of all the sectors that we follow here at FreightWaves is one of the sectors that's going to be most impacted ultimately by the the, the Russia Ukraine uh, war, and um, you know because so much of uh, CPG companies, what you know, what what sort of goes into those products are uh, you know, various ingredients. I mean, a lot of what CP what falls under that CPG umbrella is food products. Um, a lot of the packaging is you know petroleum based. So I'm going to talk a little bit about you know how I see um, you know that conflict. Impacting the CPG companies this year, and um, you know, I think it could have some some pretty big, uh, you know, impacts. Um, and so I'll talk about that, and then uh, you know after that I'll go through some highlights from Freightwave Sonar, um, following a publication of a report uh, that I published uh, yesterday, along with uh, two colleagues, uh, Tony Mulvey and uh, Michael uh, Rudolph. Uh, three of us put together uh, what we call a Sonar Highlight Reel, which is ten pages. Uh, mostly just describing what um, charts in Sonar stand out to us that we think that uh, you know, users should be uh, paying attention to. Uh, that report is available at the FreightWave Sonar blog, so you just really need to Google FreightWave Sonar blog, and it's the first should be the first thing that, that comes up. And uh, for the price of filling out a form, you know, who, who, who your, what your name and, and the location is, um, you can download uh, that report. So I'd encourage you to do that. Um, and follow the reports on the Freight Waves blog to, to stay up to speed on uh, the freight industry. Um, and before I get into uh, really the meat of the, the, the show today, uh, we'd just like to remind everyone that um, you know our big uh, Future of Supply Chain Conference is uh, coming up in um, May. It's going to be May 9th and 10th, and it's going to be at the Rogers Convention Center in northwest Arkansas. And uh, there's a special you know, rate if you sign up by March 13th. So would encourage everyone to, to sign up for that. It's uh, going to be the first uh, in-person Freight Waves conference um, since the one in uh, way back in November of 2019, the one that convinced us to never have one in Chicago again. Not only were, did people have trouble getting there, including myself, uh, because of the snow, um, I think we learned how uh, difficult it is to do business uh, with um the, the McCormick place in uh, downtown Chicago uh, is. So this one's going to be in Northwest Arkansas, uh, May 9th, to th- 9th and 10th. Encourage everyone to, to sign up, hope to see a lot of the, the stock out viewers uh, there. Uh, so with that, uh, I'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, what what I see uh, the impact of the Ukraine you know war is uh, for CPG companies and, and, and really – um, I think the biggest impact um, is, is going to be sort of the rising commodity costs. And I know I've talked a lot about this on The Stockout, written a lot about this. Um, you can sort of, you know, there's clearly some very direct impacts uh, when you look at uh, CPG companies where you have certain uh, CPG companies that operate everywhere. Like, you know, for instance, Nestle, you know, biggest packaged food company in the world, you know, they've talked about having three uh, facilities in, um, in the Ukraine that needed to be shut down, heard something similar from, you know, Mondelez, the big uh, snack maker from Coca-Cola, uh, from Philip Morris, uh, Philip Morris had hired, has about 1300 workers in the Ukraine. Um, and the Ukraine represents about 2% of their shipment volume. Um, so they, you know, most of those what most of those companies are doing is, uh, just instructing their employees to stay safe. Um, you know, don't show up to work, just sort of, uh, Figure, find, find a way to, to to stay safe. So you clearly have some very direct benefit, uh, not benefits, very direct you know impacts to CPG companies that have to shut down operations. You've also seen uh, companies in the agriculture industry um, you know, been disrupted. Uh, Archer Daniels Midland, Cargill. You saw Cargill had that uh, chartered vessel, vessel that was charting was 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 hit. Don't think anyone was was hurt that. But um, so 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 clearly um, you know a lot of impacts there. But but really, I think the sort of the biggest impact to uh, CPG companies is going to be um, related to the the input costs that they purchase you know rise as a result of this so um, just to sort of take a, a step back and, and I think how um, this really changes I think the trajectory of CPG companies for, for 2022 so uh, 2022 was supposed to be a recovery year for the cPG industry uh, you sort of think last year at this time um, you know most, Uh, CPG companies, um, you know, didn't seem too concerned about inflation in their uh, cost of sales. It really wasn't something, you know, there's the big, um, you know, Wall Street Conference Cagney that takes place um, this time every year that the consumer goods companies go to um, just took place last week. And um, analyst report I read said, you know, there was almost no discussion of uh, inflation during that. But, you know, over the course of, of last year, inflation um you know the, the degree of inflation took everyone by surprise including cpg uh companies so you had uh inflation for um you know wide range of ingredients uh you had inflation for labor of course um you know all this packaging material um and uh, transportation and then the contract manufacturing you know stayed high i mean a lot of the cpg companies um you know in response to the elevated demand for their products with people still eating breakfast from home, eating lunch from home is um, to use outsourced manufacturing. They really don't know how much, how long that's going to going last. So they've had higher costs for contract manufacturing as well. So all of those costs um, were, were higher, uh, you know, last year than the companies expected. And those costs escalated throughout, you know, last, last year. So, um, you know, kind of like how the The CPI has lately has been up sort of in that seven and a half percent range and the producer price index has been up about nine percent. You know, CPG companies had a similar pattern where their price, their costs to do business rose faster than um, how quickly they could pass those prices on to consumers. So you really had a situation where most CPG companies. Uh, Faced margin compression last year. Um, a lot of the CBG companies, um, you know, missed earnings at various points during the year. Had to take their guidance down. So it was a challenging, you know, year. Um, and there, you know, there were some exceptions, like in the meat industry, you saw their profits, you know, surge. But most of the packaged goods company, the th- companies you t- typically think of with, uh, you know, packaged food, you know, most of those had, um, you know, margin compression. And our, you know, the idea was. You know, a lot of this was a timing, uh, you know, difference, and 2022 was supposed to be a year where hopefully the costs, uh, their costs, flattened out, and these companies could regain uh, the margin uh, compression that they saw in uh, 2021. You know, this year, at least on a dollar, you know, basis, some are talking about you know getting it back on a dollar basis, if not, uh, you know, per, a percent um, basis. But um, you know, clearly, it, it seems like um, you know this is going to take longer than uh, I think most of these companies had an- anticipated um, where, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this Ukraine situation has, re- has really sort of thrown a wrench in that. And you've seen some of the, the, the prices of various commodities, um, that Ukraine, you know, participates in. I mean, U S does not import very much and, and does not trade very much between Russia and Ukraine. I think, um, you know, U S, you know, Russia is about 1% of U S imports, so not very much. Um, but the, the, um, you know, impact that, uh, it, the war is having on Ukraine's um, agriculture prices really impacting, you know, global markets. So just today, and uh, it seems like these these markets move so quickly, it might all, already be stale. You know, wheat prices. Um, some of these wheat futures are up five percent today, up twenty two percent in the last month, up fifty percent, um, you know, in the last uh, year. Um, believe I have a, a chart on uh, you know wheat prices, um, and, and and you can see, you know, there with with wheat prices, these are the highest they they've been since since 2008 and, you know, up 50% last year. I mean, who knows how high they're going to go. They, they might, you know, exceed the 2008 levels. And so, you know, clearly, um, you know, Ukraine, it's going to be difficult to get the wheat that's being produced there to market, um, which would, would typically go by, um, you know, by, a, a, you know, ocean going vessel. Um, you know, some of the crops that, uh, you know, are, are grown in the Ukraine are not going to be fertilized. So, you know, read one piece that was interesting that said, you know, a lot of the, the, the crops, um, this would typically be a sort of a slow period for that. You would, you would typically plant the crops in the fall and then the you know, fertilization of those crops would take place in, in March and the farmers are not going to be able to, you know, get to those crop fields to fertilize, uh, you know, those, uh, those plantations, you know, on time. And that would typically reduce the yield of um, the 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 crops by about one third, so that you know re- clearly you know reduces the supply. I think you're also going to have a situation where a lot of companies are not going you know, a lot of countries are not going to be willing to to import from you know Russia, and it could be part of their you know part of their sanctions. You sort of look at at the, at the relative impacts of that. You know, Ukraine exports about 13 percent of the world's wheat, about 12 percent of the world's corn, and, and when you combine that with Russia, thinking you know both of those are either going to be you know constrained or um, under under sanctions, uh, Russia and Ukraine combined for about 29% of world wheat exports and uh, 19% of corn and about 80% of sunflower oil. And um, you know the sunflower oil I think is is, is interesting. I mean it, it's it's one of the the, the vegetable oils and um, you know what I learned uh, you know sort of from doing the stock out last week is one of the main inflationary components in uh, world food prices has been, you know vegetable oils, and you know some of that was the, the palm oil that I was talking about last week. That's that's grown in um, you know Southeast Asia that goes into a wide range of products, both food products and sort of personal care products like like cosmetics. But a lot of these vegetable oils, um, you know, are can be fungible um, and, and traded out to a certain extent. So um, you know, cl- clearly have seen um, you know an impact in. Um, Not only the sunflower oil, which, you know, that is, you know, something that's directly, you know, exported from Ukraine and and, and Russia, about 80 percent of the the, the, sunflower oil comes from there, but also um, seeing spillover effects with other, um, you know, commodities have a chart on um, soybean or um, palm oil. So these are palm oil prices. And you see sort of over the last year um just how much they've they, they've risen i mean uh they're up about uh up about double now from from, from where they were or at least at least close to it and you see that latest spike there on the right um and it's really because in some cases you know palm oil can be you know a substitute for um the the, the sunflower um oil that um, is, is exported from from the ukraine so uh you know clearly uh you know the, these uh you know Agriculture commodities and trading global markets—they all sort of impact each other. Um, you know, I think the you know constraint with wheat uh, uh, shipments out of the Ukraine you know may cause more uh, U.S. farmers to to you know, produce more more grain, plant more uh, plant more um, wheat, but then you know that comes at the expense of, of corn and, and and other things. So you're really seeing all those crops uh, you know surge. In, in, in price. And you sort of, you know, sort of put that together as, you know, what is that going to do uh, to CPG companies? Well, in, in ingredients, um, you know, they, they do range in, in terms of how much of their cost of sales a, a CPG company has I have a, I have a pie chart on that uh, from just one example of from, from the Smucker, you know, company. And, you know, this is one of the, the, the few uh, CPG companies that really sort of broke down their cost of goods uh, sold um, by, by segment, you can see ingredients about forty-five percent of their um, of, of their cost of, of goods sold. For a lot of companies, it's it's higher, you know, than that. Um, but you can sort of see, well, you know, all of those segments have been highly inflationary, and you, and you think about, um, you know, all of these crops, you know, rising in price, um, you know, in, in, in some cases up one hundred percent. It's it's clearly going to put a lot of pressure on, you know, CPG companies' uh, margins, and I think that's going to be sort of the main you know, impact that we're going to see, um, you know, from CPG companies. And so I think uh, a lot of the publicly traded CPG companies are going to have to go back and maybe walk back some of the recent comments that they provided on their fourth quarter earnings calls. I mean, different companies said different things, but a lot of them said, well, you know, over the course of, um, you know, uh, this year, their margins are going to, you know, show improvements. You know, some said it's going to take them, you know, 12 months to get their margins back to where they were. Um, before last year. in other cases it might be you know 12, 12 to 18 months, but I think a lot of those time frames um, are going to be uh, extended out because as uh, CPG companies input costs rise, there is a time delay between when they can get those um, costs you know through to um, you know into retailers and then and pass those ultimately on to consumers. The, the CPG companies have to honor contracts that are in place with um, you know, with the retailers, and so there is a is, is a time delay there, and it's going to just take longer uh, for CPG companies to get back to a targeted uh, margins. So, th- so, so really, I, I think um, you know, sort of this this dynamic between uh, CPG companies' costs and revenue is, is going to sort of gonna be the main you know impact from from this war in in the Ukraine. Provided that uh, you know we don't go into a global recession, or um, you know there are humanitarian issues with hunger and and, and and those type of issues, which I think are a real possibility, uh, you know, all these sanctions uh, on on Russia, um, you know, we'll see what the ultimate economic you know impact is. Um, but um, you know, I, I think you know, at least in that, you know, region, you would think there would be, you know, a recession, but so many global economies are tied to it to each other, like I was describing with the, the agriculture, uh, you know, markets, um, you know, really could, you know, create a, a global recession. Higher food prices do tend to crowd out more discretionary um, purchases, and uh, it's particularly problematic for a lot, of, a lot of the emerging, you know, economies. You think about, you know, a, a, the budget for consumer in the developed world, and food is about 15%. Well, in the emerging markets, it's about 50%. So, you could have maybe a mild recession in the U.S., a really severe recession in a lot of the, you know, emerging markets. So I think, you know, those are, you know, potentially, you know, worrisome issues. The other, you know, issue that I see from this is, you know, rising energy prices, which, of course, you know, impacts, you know, everyone who drives and consumes and also impacts, you know, the farmers, um, you know one of the questions that came up on freight waves now this morning is does this ultimately you know benefit farmers because the crops that they sell, let, let's say a wheat farmer in Kansas, for instance, is he going to be more profitable now that he can sell his wheat for 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 more money? You know maybe so, but there are some offsetting costs there, and a lot of the farmers lately have have, have struggled with their profitability because they've had to pay so much more. For the fertilizer that they put on their uh, on their crops, so it'll be interesting to see how all that how all that plays out. But it's not as um, simple, I don't think, as um, these crops are more valuable. Therefore, the, the, the profits are going to be higher for, for 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 domestic farmers. It's just clear that um, CPG companies' costs are going to rise, and, and ultimately, consumers' uh, costs are going to rise, and inflation is going to continue to 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 march on. Uh, topic number two, um, moving on to some uh, sonar highlights. And, um, uh, you know, like I said earlier, we, we have a whole report um, up on the Freightwave Sonar blog where we go through uh, many more highlights, but I'll, I'll just uh, run through. I've got three sonar charts here. Uh, first, I'll, I'll do the, the um, outbound tender rejection index for uh, broken down between van, uh, reefer, and flatbed. So, van is in blue reefer is in green and flatbed is in orange and um, so the first uh, sort of point here is is the rejection rates for all of these segments of trucking um, you know much higher than what, what, what they are typically and, and, and all of those are indicate ind- indicative of an inflationary transportation uh, market and even though um, you know the van uh, uh, tender rejection rate has come down which which maybe uh, indicates a slight, Easing of relative capacity, it's still a, a tight market. You've seen you know reefer come down more, but still at an extraordinarily high level of of twenty nine percent. So it's almost feels strange to say, well, van tender rejection rate fell to eighteen percent because eighteen is still a very high you know level. You think of anything you know in the double digits is is, is going to be highly inflationary. And then um, that orange line, uh, the flat bound flatbed outbound tender rejection index. You know, sort of think of that as a proxy for industrial activity uh, you know flatbed moves things like um, you know construction materials you know some you know machinery you know things to uh you know home construction sites and so i think i think what's what's happening there is, is is home prices um are just so high in so many places and inventories are so low that there's been um a rush to to, to build more homes to um, take advantage of those higher prices I have another uh, chart um on, uh you know, on trucking uh shows the truck stop uh 7 day rate per mile and so you know you saw in the previous uh, chart that a lot of those tender rejection rates at least for reefer and a uh, dry van you know they were down uh, significantly from their highs and and you know you are not seeing that on the spot rates and uh you know the way that i interpret that is uh, you know spot rates are still at at, at you know close to the, the all time uh, highs and Um, You know, really those tender rejection rates that we were just showing you on the previous chart, those have come down largely because the contract rates have come up. So there's been less incentive for uh, carriers to reject, you know, contracts if those contracts are priced at a higher rate. And, you know, one of the other um, sort of interesting trends that we've seen um, in sonar is there's a certain regionalization of a lot of the the contract, um, you know, ten, uh, ten, uh, contract that are being rejected. So there's, there's tender rejections where we've seen on the west coast, um, you know, a really um, you know much lower tender rejection rates than we have seen in in, in previous um, you know months, where uh, carriers seem to be more accepting of accepting loads out out west. Uh, you know, part of that might be that. They can be a little bit more selective, so they can go out to the um, to, to the to the markets where there's you know they know there's going to be a tremendous amount of of uh, freight you know coming in uh, you know off the docks. Um, but really, our, our sonar uh, charts show that um, you know, freight transportation capacity you know still very expensive, capacity still very constrained, and uh, demand is 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 still strong. When you look at the tender volume, which uh, what what a tender is, is a request for a carrier to move a load. Those requests are up six percent, um, you know, year to date. And if you look at just the ones that are accepted, they're up about ten percent year to date. So the volume that's moving on the highway is uh, is, is higher than it was, um, you know, last year, you know, at this time. Um, and you sort of recall last year at this time, uh, we had the, the huge winter storm, which you know shut down a lot of areas in the south, uh, and, and that actually really tightened up. Um, you know, capacity and actually caused a lot of uh, demand, you know, on the highway to, to, to move freight, to, to repair, you know, homes that were damaged, um, you know, in the, in the, in the, storm and so forth. Um, so also have, uh, you know, charted in here from the, the highlight reel on intermodal contract rates and, you know, what this shows uh, me, and I put, put in those, those, uh, you know, horizontal lines. So $1.93 is the average intermodal contract rates year to date. Now these do not include fuel and these are in lanes that are not what I would call the traditional intermodal lanes. These tend to be sort of purely domestic lanes. So it's not going to be a lot of LA to Chicago. It might be more Chicago to Atlanta or, you know, an automotive lane from, let's say Detroit to Kansas city. Um, saw some of those Kansas city, uh, Plants for Ford were, were being shut down, um, not having the, the the components. But in any event, you see a big you know surge here where the 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 new uh the, the rates in twenty twenty two up about thirteen percent over where they were uh, for the entirety of twenty twenty one, and um, you know, the end shipper is going to see you know higher higher rates than that um, once you layer in fuel and those intermodal contract rates. You know just like truckload, just like a lot of uh, you know contracts, uh, prices for a lot of things last year they increased as the year progressed and so those shippers that had not yet you know repriced their contracts since early 2021 are likely to be in you know well into the double digits could be closer to 15 20 percent rather than up that 13 you know average that I'm showing for for, for, for the full uh, year so um, it's going to be another year of uh, higher um, you know, contract rates for most uh, shippers at least it appears that way um, early in the year. And um, you also talk in the report that we just published, um, the Sonar Highlight Reel, about uh, the maritime industry. And, um, you know, there one of the the main um, points is a congestion that we've seen off of the ports of L.A. Long Beach. Starting to see more of that in other ports across the country. Um, Port of Charleston had something like 25 vessels off its coast last week. Um, Import demand is still at near uh, record levels and import volume uh, that's clearing customs is up month over month at most of the major ports, including a lot of the secondary ports that might be considered spillover ports if the port of you know ports of LA and Long Beach are too congested. So those would be ports like Oakland, you know Savannah, Charleston, some of, some of those others um, that are maybe not the. You know the the, the biggest port complexes are LA Long Beach and, and, and you know Port of New York New York New Jersey, um, but those those smaller ports, um, which a lot of those are have really expanded a lot, particularly on the East Coast with with dredging projects. Um, you know those are seeing a big impact in um, you know big increase in in volume. One thing that stood st- stood out to us is that the Port of Oakland showing 126 percent more shipments clearing customs uh, year over year. Also showing that ocean rates um, are still at a very high level. Those, um, you know, are off their 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 peak. I mean, we talked a lot about this, you know, late last year where they declined about 25% from their peak. But lately, they've been sort of trending sideways, you know, at a very high level. So not a lot of relief that we're seeing yet in the rates. Um, and then I just saw the news uh, headline uh, today that you're able to trade futures contracts based on those Freightos uh, you know, rates. Um, so check out uh, that article. I believe uh, Greg Miller just posted uh, that article. So I would encourage you to read that at FreightWaves.com. And uh, before I leave you, would encourage you to go on uh, FreightWaves.com and not only sign up for our, um, our conference on May 9th and 10th, but uh, sign up for any newsletters that interest you. We have one on uh, um, motor vehicles called transmission. We have a point of sale on, on the retail industry. Um, you know, Mine is the stock out. We have one on um, brokers called a call check and uh, several others. Um, so with that, uh, hope everyone has a, a good day and uh, can survive the volatility in uh, the freight markets and the stock market.